Matthew 24, verses 36 through 44. Jesus said, But about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away, so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, and one will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken, and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Let's pray together. For the hope that we have in Christ, the hope of his birth, the hope of his death, the hope of his resurrection, and the hope of his return, O Lord, we give you thanks. Now continue to immerse us in the hope of Jesus as your word is read and proclaimed. In his name we pray, amen. So our sisters and brothers across the street at First United Methodist have a, a phrase that they use regularly in their worship. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Uh, they and we spend a lot of time focusing on the first two parts of that phrase, the first two phrases, not as much time on the third phrase. Christ has died. Every day, every moment, really, we give thanks that Christ has died for our sins and for the sins of the world. And through his death on the cross, we experience salvation. We receive forgiveness and grace. And during the season of Lent and Holy Week, we give special emphasis on the truth that Christ has died for us. That's the first phrase. Second phrase, Christ is risen. Every day, every moment, we live in the world-transforming power of the resurrection. Uh, we give thanks every Sunday for the resurrection of Jesus. And then, of course, on Easter, the center point of the year, we celebrate that Christ is alive, victor over sin, death, and the demonic. And then for seven weeks after Easter Sunday, we're in the Easter season we are familiar with the phrase, Christ has died, with the phrase, Christ has risen. We live them out in powerful ways. We do not focus as much on the phrase, Christ will come again. And there's not really a season that we devote solely to that truth that Christ will come again, that there is a second advent of Jesus that we long for and that we expect. Enter the Advent season as we are celebrating Advent hope, preparing ourselves to celebrate the birth of Jesus at his first Advent. The church throughout its history has taken the season of Advent as a time to use, explore, think through texts like this from Matthew 24 to prepare ourselves for Christ's second Advent, his second coming. Now, it's understandable 
why we historically, at least in recent times, a church like ours has not focused on Christ's second coming during this season. We historically over the last 40 or 50 years have embraced churches like ours have embraced the season of Advent because we desperately need help or we will be overwhelmed by the commercialization of Christmas. As Christmas has become more commercialized, as we've needed help in staying focused on Christ, we have embraced the disciplines of Advent, preparing to celebrate the birth of our Lord. But we add to it, we return to it hopefully this year, particularly this Sunday, adding that sense of preparing for his birth to also taking this time to prepare for his coming again. And so we light the candle of hope to prepare to celebrate his birth. We light the candle of hope to remind ourselves of the hope of his returning. And our world desperately needs the hope of Jesus, the hope of his life, his death, his resurrection, and the hope of his return. Wars all over the globe create horrible suffering and conflict, people fleeing by the millions from the carnage, suffering all around, addictions that pile on and keep us from being the people that God has made us to be, loneliness, lack of purpose that gets in the way of us experiencing the flourishing that God created us to experience. And all around us, people who do not know yet people who are not aware of how much Jesus loves them and won't be aware unless we share that good news with them. And all around us are people who do know, who are aware of the love of Jesus, but have been so hurt by the church that they want nothing to do with his people. And all around us are people who are not really concerned about the love of God for them because they bought into the deception that life is what we make of it instead of it being a gift that comes from the hand of our creator. And so we need the hope of Christ and we need the hope of his returning. When he will come and make all things new, when he will come and fully establish his peace, when he will come and fully establish the kingdom of God, when his new creation will be on display for all to see, we need that hope amid a world that feels so hopeless. And of course, we do have work to do in the midst of this world that seems hopeless. We, all of us, are called to pray the prayer, Lord, open a door for me today to proclaim the mystery of Christ, to share his love with someone. And we're called to work and walk alongside with the suffering around us, to care for one another in our need. We're called to do our kingdom work in our community, to pray and live the prayer Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're called to do these things, but our hope is not in what we can do for Christ. Our hope is not even in what God can do through us by the Holy Spirit. Our hope is in the truth that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and our hope is in the good news that Christ will come again. Christians disagree about what his return will look like. 
We have vastly different understandings, different interpretations of those passages in Scripture that speak of his return. And the conversation around those interpretations is important. Not because we can figure it all out. It's something that hasn't happened yet, and it's beyond our ability to fully comprehend. But it is important to wrestle with those interpretations because our interpretations of how Jesus will return greatly impacts how we live now. But that's for another sermon. That's for another time. That's for another Bible study series. Our passage today, in our passage, Jesus really isn't concerned about giving us details. The focus on the passage is simply this. He will return at an unexpected time. So be ready. He will return at an unexpected time. So be ready. Verse Excuse me, verse, uh, the first verse of the passage. My memory is not what it used to be. The first verse of the passage, verse 36. But about that day and that hour, Jesus says, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. In our lifetimes, and certainly throughout history since the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus, Preachers love to say he's going to come at this time on this day. Have you ever heard about that? Have you ever read that? It's been a while since one of those preachers has kind of captured national attention with some prediction. And whenever I hear one of those predictions, I think of this verse. How does one say it's going to happen on this day when Jesus says he doesn't even know? So if Jesus is content with not knowing when he will return, it seems to me that we ought to be content with not knowing it either. Amen? Jesus is saying, no one knows, so be ready. Verses 37 and 38, he thinks back to Noah. People were living their normal lives, not expecting a flood to come. It comes upon them and sweeps them away. So it will be when Christ returns. People will be living their normal lives. And he will appear suddenly. People will be working in the fields. People will be working in the kitchen. Verses 39 and 40 speak. And Christ will come suddenly amid normal work, daily occupations. So Jesus then says in verse 42, Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. If you did... You'd wait until just before that day, and then you'd get ready, right? In the same way, if a homeowner knew when the thief, exactly when the thief would come, at what night and what hour, the homeowner would be fine up until that moment, and then stay awake and be ready when the thief came. And so Jesus says in verse 34, Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Again, Jesus is not giving us a whole lot of details of what it will be like. He's simply saying no one knows except the Father when it will happen. Be ready. Stay awake. Be watchful. The obvious question then comes to us, from this passage at least, how? How do we stay awake? How do we stay ready? For the return of Christ. 
Certainly, we don't stay in church all the time, consciously thinking about waiting for Christ's return. Jesus has already said people will be working in the fields, people will be working in the kitchen, people will be going about their normal lives when he returns. It's not a call to inactivity, passively waiting. So then what is it? If we're not supposed to literally stay awake always, consciously thinking about the return of Jesus, what does it mean to stay awake? Three suggestions, three observations, they're not very new or challenging. They're, they're pretty normal, it seems to me. But if we're able to do these things and others like them, it does seem to me that through the Spirit, we can be awake and we can be ready for the coming of Jesus. And we can live in the hope of what his return offers and brings. First suggestion, if we want to stay awake, if we want to be ready for the second advent of Christ, whenever that will be, we will not let the cares of this world distract us from the purposes of God. To be awake, to be ready for the second advent of Christ is to, by the Spirit, not allow the cares of this life, the cares of this world, to distract us from God's larger purposes. All of us have lots of cares that we should spend time on. We have responsibilities that should occupy our days. It is good and right for us to be busy about the work that we have in our families, in our church, in our community, to be busy about the work of God. And yet it is so easy to get so caught up in the cares of our everyday lives that we forget that God has larger purposes for the world, that God desires the world to know Jesus and that God desires the world to live in peace and that one day these desires of God will be fulfilled when Christ returns. Uh, so I did something this year that I have never done before. I've never done this before. I'm somewhat proud to say I've never done this before. Somewhat embarrassed that I've started at my age. I went shopping for the first time in my life on the day after Thanksgiving. Anybody do that normally? I mean, is that like your regular thing? I, bless you. Bless you. Uh, so I, I went, sh it's called Black Friday, right? Yeah, it's pretty busy, yeah. And see, but here's what I did. Instead of choosing to go shopping on the day after Thursday, day after Thanksgiving for the first time in Huntington, I chose to go shopping on the day after Thanksgiving for the first time in my life in Atlanta. Did you know that a lot of people live in Atlanta? Did you know that a lot of people shop in Atlanta on Black Friday? And so, uh, and did you know that it's not a wise thing to choose to go out to start shopping at five o'clock on Friday afternoon in Atlanta like I did? And so uh, the, the outlet mall that I'm going to is about 25 minutes away from Alicia's sister's house. Uh, the first uh, 22 minutes, uh, city traffic, and then you get on Interstate 575 for two miles. And then you take the first exit after you get on the interstate and you're, you're right there. So I do the 20, 22 minutes of inner city traffic just fine. It takes me 15 minutes to go that two miles on the interstate to the shopping mall and I'm looking over I can see the shopping mall and I can see that there are no parking spaces in the shopping mall and I'm thinking how is this going to happen so I do the 15 minutes to actually get there another 15 minutes to park 
And thankfully, I wasn't in a hurry. I was pretty patient. It was, it was all right. And then had this wonderful experience of seeing all of humanity, a sea of humanity rushing to buy Christmas gifts. But here was the main part of that experience that at least I hope to carry with me. While I was in a parking lot on the interstate for 15 minutes, I was listening to the five o'clock news. And the five o'clock news told of horrible things going on in the world. Of this conflict here, this suffering here, and this group of people here who aren't concerned about what they're getting each other for Christmas because they're standing up for basic human rights that they're not receiving through one shape, way, or another. And I'm looking to my right, and I'm looking ahead of me and behind me, and I see thousands of people focused on the cares of this life, a good care, getting a good deal on your holiday gifts. And I'm listening to reports of people all around the world who are suffering. And so for a moment, I pray the kingdom prayer, try to pray the kingdom prayer for each place in the world that's mentioned, Syria and Venezuela and Hong Kong. And I try to do that, and I do. And then when I finally find a parking space, I'm back to shopping for what I need. And how easy it is for us to get caught up in the cares of this world and we lose sight of God's larger purposes. It's not that we ignore the cares of this world. It's that in the midst of them, if we want to stay awake, if we want to be ready for the return of Jesus, we are seeking that balance of remembering the purposes of God even as we go about fulfilling and attending to the cares of our lives. Second observation, second suggestion, how we might stay awake and keep alert for the hope of Christ's returning. And that is to go about what we do already, what we talk about every week, that is to give witness to the love of Jesus Christ and to work for his kingdom. If we're gonna be in the kitchen or in the fields, going about our daily business when Christ returns, if it's not something we're going to be completely ready for, then amid our daily activities, can't we also pray, Lord, open up a door for me to proclaim the mystery of Christ's love as I go about this day. If we want to be ready in our work, in our school, in our families, in our church, in our community, we'll, we'll go about serving sacrificially, pointing others to the kingdom of God. As a congregation, we'll do things like a mission trip and like food baskets and all kinds of things as we partner with various ministries in our community to share the hope of Jesus and to work for the kingdom of God. It's not that our work, it's not that our witness brings about the hope or brings about the kingdom. Instead, because we believe in Jesus and he is our hope and because we believe in his return, we have the energy amid what seems like a hopeless world to point people to Jesus and to work for his kingdom and to say we can live now the way he created us to live if we'll open, himself, open ourselves to his spirit and if we'll walk with each other 
and encourage one another even more, as Paul says, as we see that day approaching, as we place our hope in that day. How do we stay awake? How do we keep ready for the return of Jesus? We do what he tells us to do. We share his love. We work for his kingdom. And then a third and final observation and suggestion. We keep ready. We stay awake for the hope of the second advent of Christ. When we worship each Sunday and when we pray each day. It's been said by some, it's never been said by any one at Fifth Avenue Baptist Church, but it's been said to preachers, I'm told, no one here has ever said it to me, but it's been said to other preachers, I've been told, as people were walking out of the service at the end of the Sunday morning, it's been said that someone has said to preachers, now it's time to get back to the real world, isn't it? That was nice for a little while. Let's get back to the real world. Well, there's some truth in that outside these walls. There are responsibilities to maintain. There's work to be done. That's true. There is a sense that that's the real world, but it's not the most real world. The most real world is God's world. This is our Father's world we sing. The most real world is where God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we gather here to worship each week, we are reminding ourselves of the most real world where we praise God together. And a part of that praise, a part of that worship is to remind ourselves to catch a glimpse of God's new world that is coming, where all is as God wants it to be. And when we catch a glimpse of that world in worship, we're inspired to go out and work for and toward that world in our daily lives. So we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Each Sunday, that's a prayer for the present. It's a prayer for the future for Jesus to come. And we pray that prayer each day on our own. And in our praying each day, we are reminding ourselves that there is a more real world than what we see. It's the world that Jesus will fully establish when he comes. And that's the hope of his returning. Before we went to Atlanta to be with Alicia's family, we spent a couple of days in the Smoky Mountains at uh, a Christian camp that has cottages that families can, can rent. It's in Townsend, Tennessee. If you're a Smoky Mountains fan, uh, it's not in Gatlinburg uh, where there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Townsend, Tennessee calls itself the quiet side of the Smokies, the quiet side of the Smokies. So we stayed in this Christian camp, the cabin in Townsend, and it's right next to Tuckaloochee Caverns, this wonderful cave uh, that you can explore. Um, and, and, and so you've got the, the, the Smoky Mountain Park. You, you see the mountains uh, on the other side of Cades Cove uh, off in the distance. But then the camp is, is up a mountain. And our cabin was not at the top of the camp. It was kind of halfway up the camp on the side of the mountain. And so uh, one morning I woke up and, and went outside and all I could see was fog all the way around. It was fog. I couldn't see the mountains uh, at Cades Cove, couldn't see across the way, couldn't see up on the mountain that we were actually living on, just fog everywhere. 
And then I walked up about 20, 20 yards, 25 yards or so to the main lodge of this Christian camp. And I was above the fog. And I could see the mountains all around. And I could see blue sky. And that's what happens sometimes in worship. That's what happens sometimes when we pray. When we look all around us, we can't see the work of God sometimes. When we look all around us, it doesn't look like God is active. It looks like the kingdom is far away. But in worship, we get a glimpse of God's dream, God's dream for the world, and of the dream that God will establish when Christ returns. And that is the hope of his returning. Sisters and brothers, Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. And so we light the candle of hope, preparing our hearts this Advent season to celebrate his birth. But we also light the candle of hope, reminding ourselves of that third phrase, Christ will come again. During this Advent season, may we stay awake and keep ready as the Spirit helps us not to let the cares of this world distract us from the purposes of God, as the Spirit helps us to give witness to the love of Jesus Christ and work for his kingdom, as the Spirit fills our worship and our praying with energy and with vision so that we can see the world that God is building and that God will one day fully establish. Stay awake, be ready, live in the hope of Christ and the hope of his returning. Amen and amen. Would you pray with me, please? As we begin our Advent journey, Lord, help us to focus on your purposes, even as we go about attending to the cares of our lives. Help us to do our witnessing and our work with renewed energy in this season. And may our worship and our daily praying be so filled with your spirit that our lives point others to the hope of Christ's return. For the hope that we find in his death for our sins, for the hope that we find in his resurrection, for the hope that is ours in his coming, we give you thanks. In his name we pray. And so we sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's our commitment carol. And as we sing, I will stand at the front before the altar 
to receive those who would profess faith in Jesus for the first time or who as followers of Jesus would unite with our church or you may feel the call to come forward and pray. Whatever God has laid on your heart, whether you come forward or stand where you are or sit as you are singing, may we all open ourselves anew to the love of Jesus. Let's stand as we sing. Thank you.